welcome you in a very special way today. I believe, God, that um, you are here expectant and ready to hear. God cannot do more than we allow him to do. You see, he cannot do more than we allow him to do. Every miracle in the Bible that had to do with vessels, you will see that God did not exceed the number of vessels that they brought, whether it was the miracle of the wine uh, or the miracle of, um, that, that is the miracle of the wine in the wedding or the miracle of the jar of oil that was poured into many vessels. All the time, the Bible will say that everything that was provided was filled. So let us always make sure that we come to God with capacity, expected capacity. Come with a large faith. He said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. The wider you open, the wider, the more the filling. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just keep coming and keep going in God's presence, depending on him absolutely. So I want to welcome you again. We want to thank God for the opportunity he's given to us to run a series on unraveling the mystery of godliness. I am sure that you have been blessed. I have been blessed in the last five weeks. We are on the sixth session titled Boldness by Righteousness. The first five sessions were mostly concentrated on the theme uh, focusing on Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And uh, we have looked at that severally many times in the course of the last few weeks. I want to encourage you to get a hold of the series. Our YouTube page is LifeGate Outreach TV. And you can find us as LifeGate Outreach Center on all, most of the audio podcasts available on Android and also on Google or uh, other platforms and all the platforms under those. So I want to encourage you to follow the series and keep being blessed. Amen. Today, our title is Boldness by Righteousness. Boldness by Righteousness. And I'm so excited today to bring this word. I believe very strongly God laid many things on my heart. I was trying to chop down the notes as much as I can so that it can fit into, you know, the time we have to deliver. The truth is this is a very important aspect of ministry that if it settles for you as a believer, you will find it very easy to achieve the things that God says you should achieve. Many times it's not because God has not spoken. Many times it's not because God, not that God has not given the grace, not that God has not done what he should do, but we don't achieve on the basis of not operating by boldness. And so what God wants to do with us in this session is to drive in us again this great virtue, this great spirit that has enabled his children to attain to the things that he has called them to do and is also available for us to tap into. So when we talk about boldness, in some cases we can also use the word courage because they're synonymous. You can, at times we can use them in certain contexts, but let's just take them to mean the same thing, which is basically saying that developing, this is developing the capacity to be able to speak or act fearlessly. To be able to speak or act fearlessly. Despite real or imagined dangers. Despite real or imagined dangers. Having the capacity to be able to speak or act fearlessly. Despite real or imagined dangers. I say those words very carefully because there are times that the dangers are real. There are times that the dangers are real. Boldness is not just your ability to overcome imaginary forces. It's not. Because we always say fear is false evidence appearing real. Like I've said to you before, at times they are really not <laughs> appearing real. They are real. <laughs> you can touch them like this. The year 1993 that I've told you the story many times when armed robbers broke into my uh, house, my little apartment in, in a city called Kaduna in northern Nigeria, and they were, they were saying, bring the money, bring the money. That was not a fake. This is real human beings with knives. <laughs> that is not false evidence. That is real evidence. <laughs> and when I say, you can't take anything in the name of Jesus, my friend, <laughs> 
my roommate had vanished by that time. <laughs> he said, David. <laughs> he said, all of you, lie down now. Lie down now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I met my friend in Poland a couple of years ago. I reminded him of the story. He lives there with his family. I reminded him of that story and how he, when they said, lie down now, and I was just saying, you can't do anything in the name of Jesus, and I was trying to look back for my friend. He has gone. <laughs> my friend was already lying down, closing his eyes, and begging me, David, David. <laughs> trying to tell me that I'm stubborn, basically. <laughs> now, there are times that you confront real forces like that. I'm not saying if you meet armed bandits and they say, bring your wallet, and you are saying, ah, I'm saying, give them your wallet if you feel like <laughs> So don't go and say, Pastor, ah, that didn't work for me. I didn't, I didn't send you. <laughs> Your faith is what is important. <laughs> Something that was driving me. If it's not driving you, please give them your wallet and go away. <laughs> don't let them stab you for nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you must know how to have this capacity to be able to act fearlessly. It comes by the Spirit of God. You see, boldness is not rashness or unnecessary aggressiveness. It's none of those things. You can call it assertiveness, standing firm for what you believe, but it's not, it's not, it's not an irrational behavior in the, in the real sense of it. Of course, when you are acting by faith at times, like this funny story I gave you, it may look irrational in the, in the, in the canal, in the flesh, but if you are doing it by God, it's not irrational. It is irrational if you are doing such a thing in the flesh then that is senseless and irrational. I believe we are working on the sound. Amen. So we need to know how to be assertive by the power of God. One of the very first characteristics that God gave to the children of God when his disciples, when they got baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the next thing we heard of them was that they became bold. They became bold. Peter, who was so timid that little girls were telling him, this is, you are one of his disciples, and he was running away a few days before, just about 50 days before. The same Peter, when the Spirit of God came upon him, and he was baptized, and he spoke in tongues like all the other believers that were around him, he opened his mouth in front of thousands of people. We don't know how many thousand. What we know is that 3,000 people got saved. In front of those thousands of people, he spoke his word. He spoke the word of God with boldness. He did not only talk about Jesus Christ. He talked about everybody that came before Jesus. Because of the spirit of God that came upon him to give him boldness. So boldness is a characteristic of the Holy Spirit that we need to manifest. When people think about the Holy Spirit, they always think about a gentle spirit who is so quiet and uh, you know, so meek like a lamb. He is fire. Hallelujah. He can decide to be like a wind that blows you to sleep and cools you down. But at the same time, he can go to the other end of the spectrum and be like a fire. Hebrews 12, 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. When the spirit of God comes into certain situations, he is fearsome. He is the fire that consumed the fire that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hallelujah. He made that fire become impotent. The natural fire of man that was consuming natural people was consumed by the supernatural. <laughs> so he could not consume supernatural people. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's who he is. That's who he is. So let's understand this. We say it is the capacity to act fearlessly. Fearlessly. What is fear? Fear is a satanic spirit. It is orchestrated from the pit of hell to counter everything that God wants to do in the process of advancing God's people. And Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul told him that for God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power. Some translation says of boldness. Some says of courage and of love and of a sound mind. And when you look at all these things, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind are conquering spirits. The spirit of power is the spirit of boldness, the spirit of courage. It manifests as the spirit of might in the life of a person like Samson. He is powerful. 
That is the spirit of power. He works in your mind to give you strength. The spirit of love is that one that conquers hatred, conquers wickedness. You see, the type that God unleashed on the world so that you and I can be saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. It is a spirit. He released that spirit first so that it can be possible for such a rebellious world to be saved. That is what gave us hope. The spirit of love conquered and overshadowed all our wickedness. The Bible says there was a time the iniquity in the life of people was so high that God repented making man. That is how wicked man can be. Wickedness of the highest order. But he said the spirit of love is what we have. If we don't use it, it's a separate matter. That's why when you say, oh, they said this to me and I was offended and they said this to me. And that means you don't understand that there is a spirit of love in you that overcomes all those kind of things they said or did not say. And many times nobody even said anything anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I wrote this thing on my Facebook page sometime last year. Uh, and uh, I got reminded a few weeks ago and I posted it again. When I was a teenager, I read something that was very interesting. I used to have a lot of books. Books from my father, books from my, my, my uh, el- late elder brother. I'll pick them and read them. And when they saw that I was having some, I was very young, I don't know what they saw. When they saw that I was having some inclination for the things of God, my father would buy very small books that I can read, 30-page books, how to be a minister. That was the first one. I read one book as an eight-year-old that said, never use your pulpit to abuse God's people. I learned it as an eight-year-old from a book a Baptist minister wrote that my father gave to me to read. They never use your pulpit to abuse anybody. If you have anything to say to anybody as a preacher, go and say it to them. That's why I don't talk in parables. If I have anything to say to you, I'll call you and say, brother or sister, we need to talk about this. I don't say here, some people, some people, some people. Have you ever heard me say that? <laughs> some people, some people. Hey, there's no time for that. I know those people, so I call them, bro. This is it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I read something one of those times. He said, when you are 20, you are always worried about what people are saying about you. When you are 40, you don't care what anybody is saying about you. But when you are 60, you discover that nobody has been saying anything at all. <laughs> so as an eight-year-old, I decided I will not wait till 60 before I discover that nobody is talking about it. <laughs> that was very powerful. So this righteousness, our theme is boldness by righteousness. This righteousness in God that we have is a a validation of how we are supposed to be bold against the fear. You see, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Talking about the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom. Having the capacity to have a mind that processes things bigger than the natural mind that refuses to listen to the things that are earthly reports only, but has ability to hear those things, but at the same time is so tuned to the Spirit of God that is hearing much more what God is saying. That is the spirit of a sound mind. It's not just ability to do science very well. That is very little of it. And in fact, that one, even people who are not born again do it. So, but the, the, the sound mind is much more about the mind that has the ability to hear from both realms every time and use the superior wisdom that is from above and is above all to always walk over and counter the effect of the earthly wisdom. That is a sound mind. This is how when we engage, when Paul told Timothy, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power or boldness and of love and of a sound mind. Keep using these things, then you will entertain no fear. I I pray that is your portion in Jesus' name. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 tells us that our boldness is because we are righteous. He said, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Remember when we were young and they put some sweets or cookies in a cabinet and all the children in the house were going there when nobody was and they said to you, no, no child here should take any cookie here. No child should take any sweet. And you knew that you did not take. All the others that took. When they come in there and they say, ah, our sweet is missing. Who took some sweets here? The righteous man will stand there and say, I did not take. But you see, the other ones will be saying, it was him. It was him. They'll be pointing finger like Adam was doing. <laughs> he said, it was him. No, man, it was him. Because the wicked is fleeing when no one is pursuing. 
But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hallelujah. I wanted to tell you a story, but I have many things to say, so let me leave that story. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fear is a product of sin. Don't joke with sin. And when we say sin here, yeah, don't quickly think about murder or adultery. Or, or those are sins. That's quite okay. But you see, unbelief is one sin we don't know. It comes very regularly. Doubt. Doubt. Disobedience. These are sins that we, 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 we have allowed to live with us. And as long as you have unbelief, as long as you have doubt, as long as you have any kind of disobedience, it opens up the door for fear. Look at the very first time that man sinned in Genesis chapter 3. You know that story? Man ate of the fruit that God had commanded him not to eat. Verse 9. Then God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Let's read verse 10 together, everybody. Everybody. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was... Take it again. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was... Because I was, and I, things that he had never done before, disobedience, he became afraid. For the first time, we saw the word fear in the scriptures. Man became afraid because he did what God said he shouldn't do. One of your greatest sources of stability in this life is to walk in obedience, is to hate sin with a passion, to hate disobedience. Because any of those things make us look like Adam. Every time we hear the voice of God, we hide ourselves. We become afraid. We hide ourselves. We see nakedness. So every one of us must make up our mind. If we want to walk in boldness and allow the Holy Spirit, we must not allow any form of sin. Pastor Moses read for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. Those of you joining online. And uh, that is our main scripture today. We will look at it again. Now, I know that you probably have heard about the armor of God. I don't know how many times. If you're a member of this church, I'm sure you have heard it loads of times. And if you've been a Christian for some time, it's what you should know about. But I just want you to look at it in the context of boldness that we're talking today. As God laid it on my heart to share with you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Tells us that we need to take on the whole armor of God. He said, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not be strong in your education. Not be strong in your longevity of the faith. Do you know some people think that because they have been born again for 10 years, they should automatically command some strength spiritually? It has nothing to do with it. It depends on how much you know the Lord and the power of his might. You could be born again for one month. If you know the Lord and the power of his might, you will be stronger than the person who has been born again for 10 years but does not know the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. As we read on in verse 12, he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood and against powers and principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. These are the things that we wrestle against. So we need to know how to be strong in putting on this whole armor of God. And that is what I want to quickly take us through as we look at each aspect and how it helps us to stand for bold action. The first thing he talked about is the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6, 14. Let's go to verse 14. It says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It talks there about truth, and it talks there about the breastplate of righteousness. The two things guard your waist, and they guard your breast. They guard your waist, and they guard your breast. Truth helps us to overcome the accuser. Truth and righteousness help us to overcome the accuser. Truth helps us to stand against his accusations because we are walking in the truth of the word of God. And the breastplate of righteousness helps us to maintain our status in Christ when he tries to label us sinners, when he tries to label us people of iniquity or call us people of the world. Every one of us must know how to keep guarding ourselves, our waist, with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. 
This is a symbol of how the enemy seeks to put us to shame. You see, those two things, when you look at your waist and your breast, when you look at the, the natural physique of a person, it actually talks about things that cover your nakedness the most. Think about it very well. You know? Let's say you, you just came out of your shower and then, you know, you just found that somebody was in your room. Maybe somebody that could come into your room, but at the same time, not that they have access to your nakedness. They are not your spouse. You get what I mean? When you see them, the first things you do is you cover your, your hidden parts. I don't want to touch you anywhere, so you don't think otherwise. But that's the first thing you do. You cover those places that are, we call them privates, isn't it? And the Bible says the breastplate of righteousness and your belt of truth, it holds up and covers you with everything that would have made you be naked like Adam felt naked the first time. The first time he got man naked, he's been always looking for ways to get man naked. Whether you are a preacher or a brother or a pastor or a bishop, his one single mission is to get you naked like Adam so that you can keep hiding yourself from God, so that the relationship with God can be strained, so that you can live in fear. That's why the first thing Paul said is guard your waist with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. John chapter 8 verse 31 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. If you walk in truth, you are my disciples. And verse 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We know that this know means you fellowship with the truth, have relationship with the truth, not just head knowledge of the truth. You, a, you are a practitioner of the truth. If you are in a profession, you know that there is one thing to know the theories of the profession and there is another thing to be a practitioner of it. This is what I always say to people. Many people from African backgrounds, we are, we are certificate crazy because we are raised to just acquire certificate. We acquire certificate. You say, I have PhD, DTP, PPP. <laughs> All the TTTs, they have it. Practice, that is what brings bread and butter. <laughs> Apply it, apply it, practitioner, practitioner. So when the Bible says you shall know the truth, it's not talking about you being able to say. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, and great is the mystery of God. What do you know about the mystery of godliness? What do you know about you being manifested in the flesh? What do you know about you being justified in the spirit? What do you know about you being seen of angels? What do you know about you being preached on among the Gentiles? What do you know about you being believed on by the world? What do you know about you being received up into glory? Not about you reciting it. Even the devil recites scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do you practice? You shall know the truth. You shall practice the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The devil is not afraid of tongue-talking, Bible-quoting Christians. He's afraid of practitioners of the truth. Those ones that know their boundaries, that know their, that know their, their protection, and know how to keep him away from their boundaries. That's the, those are the people that worry him. Those are the people that worry him. So you must understand that in this warfare, for you to be a bold person, you must be a practitioner of the truth. And your righteousness must be practical. As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we must continue to rely on the strength that God supplies. He is our faithful high priest. What that means is that even though the Bible says the righteous may fall and you may find yourself compromising, you may find yourself doing things, as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you must quickly rise out of your humanity every time. Like it says in Hebrews 12.1, you lay aside the sin, you lay aside the weight. You know as the righteous you have the power to do so. The accuser of the brethren will tell you it is impossible. You are still a sinner. You say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And then you rise again and you keep going. And then next time you avoid the falling because you depend on the power of God to keep you. Hebrews 5, Hebrews 4 from verse 15. He said, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows you have weaknesses. Stop praying super spiritual. Stop playing as if you can overcome anything by yourself. He knows you have weaknesses. Depend on your faithful high priest. That is what the breastplate of righteousness is. The Bible says he was all points tempted as we are, yet he's without sin. Verse 16. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may ask for mercy. Is that what your Bible says? 
that you may plead and beg and cry for mercy? Read what, what is on the screen. That you may obtain. That you may obtain. You obtain something that's already been given to you that you did not take before. When you packed your lunch for your son and you've had to drive off before they woke up or they finished and you had to drive and they call you, they say, Mama, where is my lunch? You say, take it on the kitchen table because you have prepared it is there. They go there and they do what? They obtain it. You obtain what he has. He has already given you mercy once when he said it is finished. As the righteous, all you need to keep doing is to keep obtaining it. He said you come boldly, you obtain mercy. But when it comes to grace, he said you find it. Matthew 7, 7 says, seek and you shall find. Because grace, like I've taught many times in this place, grace is manifold. You need to know the kind of grace that you need. If you are not married and you, your, your stage of life is that you are looking for a spouse, the grace you need at that time is the grace to find and the grace to be found. Not the grace to live like a husband. If you carry the grace to live like a husband when you or a wife, when you are still single, what happens is that every person you meet that you should talk gently and nicely with, you will be behaving to them as if you are a husband already. You get what I'm saying? A man who is still looking for a wife, the first girl that smiled to him and said, and he's looking like something will happen, he's now commanding her as if he's the husband. The girl will just walk away. <laughs> Because he's becoming what he has not yet become. So the grace he needs that time is to know how to show vision, how to show love, how to show future, and how to demonstrate that, you know, you can trust me, that I will lead you as a husband and we will go to places. That is the grace he needs then. So when we pray as the righteous, we must pray to find the right type of grace, to be bold in the right kind of way. I have seen many arrogant sisters when I was just newly married because we were young we married when we were about 26 years old, my wife and I, and uh, we were in a church. But because we were married, we were having to counsel many young people. Most of them were about our age. Some were even slightly older, but a lot of younger people in their much earlier 20s. We suddenly became elders, in quote, and we were not yet 30 years old. But because of that status, so I was listening to many people and counseling people. One of our sisters, God bless her, very zealous sister, she was in a courtship with one of the brothers, and they were planning to get married. And one day the brother came to me and said, Brother Dave, I, I don't know. I don't think I can go on with this. I said, what do you mean you can't go on? I said, Sister, this is a beautiful lady. She's, she does very, she's very zealous and blah, blah. I said everything I knew about her. He said, sir, that is where the problem is. I said, what do you mean by the problem? He said, before I quote one scripture, she will quote ten scriptures back to me. <laughs> he said, did you hear last Sunday? That she even raised the dead when she had her ministry, her outreach in the village last week. He said, Pastor, I've never prayed very well for somebody to be healed. This woman will be too big for me. I say, she's just telling you what God did in her life. Not that she meant bad. She's just telling you what God did. He says, I understand, but I'm worried. And do you know she, he didn't marry that person? This was 1997, 97. He married somebody else, another sister from the church, and they are, that one, they are still married today. I see them on Facebook. And sadly, my, my, my beloved sister is not yet married. Lack of wisdom. I love her to bits, but I had to call her. I said, sister, this, you need wisdom. You need wisdom. I know you carry anointing, but you see, men are intimidated scriptures. They're creatures. When they see anyone who will intimidate them, it's either they fight that person, they're like a gamma lizard. It's either they fight that person or run away. <laughs> they don't stay there. They do one of the two. Hallelujah. <laughs> Men are like, you know the red agama? Have you seen the agama lizard? Some of you will not know. Go and read about the agama lizard. Watch him on YouTube. Look at the male one. The male one is the one that has like a crown of orange, blue back, and bigger. The females are all brown. They live in a colony. When you see one, you see about 10 females. That's what they like. They stand like that. If you want to cause trouble, introduce another male to that domain. Ah, you are looking for trouble. They will fight each other, fight each other. All those women will be clapping. <laughs> that's my imagination. They can't clap. But technically, that's what is happening. <laughs> All the brown ones will be going. Yee. So they'll fight and fight and fight and fight. When another one who is clever 
since that the two of them are tired. He will now, I grew up in northern Nigeria, so I saw this a lot growing up. When, when a third one who is clever sees that these two are now very tired, he will now come with force and drive the two of them away. Those two will now run away because they are tired. <laughs> they will run away. Then that one will become the king of the... <laughs> they like to carve territory for themselves. Hallelujah. So I said to her, I said, no man likes to be intimidated. Do you know that? You know those scriptures? Be careful. Be wise. Go and find grace to help you to know how to present yourself now so that you don't, you don't scare off brothers. Hallelujah. So you need to know how to obtain mercy and find grace to keep helping you in time of need. This helps you to manifest the right kind of boldness so that it doesn't look like aggressiveness. So that it doesn't look like aggression. May God give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Number two, he talked about the shoe of the gospel of peace. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15. He said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This particular one gives us boldness to advance vision and take new grounds. This is the boldness to advance vision and take new grounds. He calls it the shodding your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. When God called Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, and verse 1, sorry, he said, every place, verse 3, thank you, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I have said to Moses. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. And in verse 5, he said the same thing. Then verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Only be strong and be very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left, to the, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Be strong and be courageous. Have your feet with the gospel of the preparation of, feet, of peace. Wherever you go, carry peace with you. Carry peace with you. Many times when we preach this scripture, we look at it only in the context of evangelism, which is true. But do you know that the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers? When you carry peace wherever you go, which means that you are not relating and reacting to life and to people and to circumstance by what they dictate to you, but by the peace of God that is at work in you. John 14, 27, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I live with you. Not the type that the world gives. So there is a kind of peace that you have become. The Bible says he is our peace. He has broken down every wall in Ephesians chapter 2. So you are a peace holder. And the Bible says you should do everything you can to pursue peace with all men. We need to keep understanding how to shut our feet with the gospel of peace. Avoid the things that will make you have friction with people. You must know how to overcome every attempt to draw you into strife to draw you into rivalry, to draw you into unhealthy competitions. You must know how to stand on the word of God to keep avoiding those things. All you need to do is to keep praying for results. Jesus, God said to Joshua, he said, if only you hold, verse 8, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you will observe to do according to all that is written therein, not according to what the world is dictating around you, not according to the Ammonites or the Moabites or all those people who live in, in places like Jericho that you are going to overtake. It's not according to them, but according to the law that I have given to Moses, which we know is the word of God. He said, then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. You want to succeed in a new vision that God is giving to you? Whether it is a vision for a ministry, a vision for a business, a vision for family, you must know how to be a peacemaker. You want your marriage to thrive? Be a peacemaker. You want to draw the blessing of God into your marriage? Be a peacemaker. Keep advancing with... People don't know that when you manifest peace, you are bold. It takes courage to manifest the peace of God in difficult situations. When Jesus said, peace be still, in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, when he said, peace be still, to this raging storm and to the things that they were seeing, was he not in a place of boldness? When everybody was afraid, he was fearless and he commanded peace. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. 
Learn to advance your vision by your conviction. Never let people discourage you from what God is speaking to you. I have found that when God gives a vision and he speaks to the heart of a man, only that man first hears it. That man will be foolish when he's angry with the others who have not yet heard it the way he heard it. That was one of the problems of Moses. God spoke to him face to face, eyeball to eyeball. He went down to the foot of the mountain and saw people who had not heard the same thing and was angry with them. Be careful. Those people had not heard the same things he had. He needed to exercise patience. <laughs> Thank God for the prophet Habakkuk. Who said in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. He said when you wait upon God and you receive the vision. The next thing you should do is to write it and make it plain upon tables. So that anyone who reads it can run with you. Stop getting annoyed with people who are not run with you, running with you. Don't get annoyed with your children if they are not yet catching the vision. Because they are still reading it. Don't judge them before their time. They are still reading it. My fellow pastors, if you have something that is burning in your heart and the people have not yet read it, God told me four years ago, he said, if they are not running, they have not yet read. Because it is impossible for them to read it and not run. They are his children. So don't blame them. You take time, you be patient, you keep printing it and keep declaring it because the Bible says when you write it and you make it plain, he runs who is able to read it. Even God spoke to Moses and wrote it down so that he can read it and run. This is why God was not happy with him for getting angry with his children. I am not saying he gives us room to say, Pastor, I'm still reading. <laughs> I told you all my life I've been with brethren, so I, as times when they are talk, I'm talking, I know what they are thinking. <laughs> you say, oh, Pastor, thank you for that revelation. You see, I have been reading about this early morning prayer. <laughs> For the past three years, I'm still reading it. <laughs> That's not what I'm asking you to read. <laughs> Brethren. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm still reading, Pastor. Keep, keep publishing it some more. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the truth is this. Learn to advance your vision by conviction. Are you convinced about what God said about your spouse? Then don't listen to other people. Don't listen to other people. This may shock you. Some of us listen to our parents more than we know what God told us about our spouse. Some of us listen to our siblings than what we know God told us about our spouse. Some of us listen to friends. They say, that's your wife. I can't take that kind of thing. Is that how she behaves to you? Eh? In this life? This, you African man, so what? <laughs> that is your family. If your wife comes to you kneeling down, carrying your food about the house, that doesn't mean my wife should be doing that to me. Keep your standard to your house. Enjoy it that way. If that is the way your food is sweet for you, eat it that way. <laughs> my wife is my friend. We relate as friends. We have been from day one as friends. Because the first word I heard from the Holy Spirit about her is that you have found yourself a friend for life. So we relate as friends. You don't like it? Sorry. Let your conviction guide you. The Bible says, and being fully persuaded, he obtained the promise. Romans 4.21. He had a promise until his persuasion was full. That is Abraham. He did not obtain it. Read your Bible. <laughs> he did not stagger the promises of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Romans 4.20. That's fine. But verse 21 says, and when he became persuaded, when he was fully convinced, he obtained the promise. So you need to be convinced. I'll quickly tell you a story. I rarely share this, but it was, it was what happened. I will cut it short because there are many things to it. This month makes exactly 29 years that I met my wife. Uh, last month, sorry, May, May 7th. But today, being June 6th, is like a, month, a year and uh, 29 years and one month, if I want to be very accurate. May the 7th, 1992, was the first day we saw each other for the first time. Now, you see, about that time, I want to tell you something about why you need to understand, because there's a lot, a lot of history there, almost three decades. So I can say this very well now. Now, when we met... I was part of a very conservative fellowship on campus. I was a postgraduate student 
So the way the, the, the fellowship of Christian students were set up on that campus, if you are part of the postgraduate fellowship, you automatically become a mentor to the junior fellowship, to the undergraduate fellowship. It's just part of the things. We are the ones that will preach from time to time, counsel them, and you know, just basically the idea. We have been to youth service in Nigeria. You serve after graduation. We've done many things. So they leverage that experience from those of us who are there. So this is a conservative fellowship where the women don't, many of the ladies don't wear, they cover their hair to go in with a scarf or something. Some of them look funny actually, but then let's put that by the side. And they do those things. They don't wear, you know, earrings and stuff. So I had, in 1991, I just had a break in relationship. Somebody said, oh, you remember that, my story? That was that break in relationship that my, my, my wonderful fiancé, in quote, that I was just imagining that when I'm preaching like this, she will stand and say, just as I am. One day she just sang and sang away. I didn't see her again. That same song I was hoping she would see, just sang it away. <laughs> so I was not looking at fellowship. I was not looking at any Christian sister. I said, I'm not even going to be talking to any of them again, whatever God wants to do. Because I want to marry quick. I had finished graduation, uh, my degree at age 20. I had finished service. I was almost finishing a master's. My life, I said, I don't want to waste it. Let me get married and get on with what God wants for me. So I wanted to get married quickly. So any sister that just sounded sis, I say, sister, how are you? You marry? <laughs> I was only 22 years old. No waste time. So I met all kinds of people. <laughs> I met all kinds of people like that. Anyway, so at, at this time, I was not talking to anybody until May 7th, 1992. When I started talking with her, I saw that she was a lover of God, she had a bit of history because of her kind of background and many things which we will reserve for another day. And um, I could see in her that this one loves God. You know, her presentation, you know her till today. That's how she is. She's just like that. She presents herself simply and plainly. But it offends a lot of people. And so in the fellowship, I took her in one day. When we started, this was May 10th, we agreed that we'll marry again. May 7th, we met May 10th. I told her, let's get married. <laughs> I thank God that one worked very well. <laughs> because God was in it. Please don't go and try these things, young people. Don't go and try it. Oh, God has to be with you to do this. Anyway, the following week or so, we went into fellowship. And um, sorry, just before that time, this was May 7th. Do you know May 11th, the day after I spoke to her and she agreed, the next day, a lady from the fellowship came to me and said to me that God told her that I will be her husband. I was stunned. And believe me, if it was two days before, because of the kind of spirituality this lady carries, if it was two days before, I would have been confused. She was a heavy sister, one of the prayer warriors. When you see them coming, you know, <laughs> you know something is coming. She said to me, she said, Pastor, she said, Brother Dave, God told me. I said, God. I said, something must be wrong. She said, what do you mean? So I had to land her gently. And I said to her that actually just yesterday I committed to somebody and uh, this is it. He said, really? Say yes. I said, please go and pray. Thank you for being bold. Because I don't want to shatter her faith or anything. I said, thank you for being bold. And thank you for the honor. It's, a, it's an honor for a woman to come and tell a man. <laughs> thank you for the honor of, you know, not being uh, proud about it. But I want to believe God that you will find your spouse. To cut the long story short, she found her person later on. I knew the person. We thank God that went well. But you know something? When I started taking my fiancé to church, to a fellowship, some people were not happy with me because in her typical way, she comes with her makeup, comes with her jeans. In fact, the very first day, they looked at me and said, Brother Dave has backslidden completely. <laughs> Definitely, Brother Dave is gone. It's finished. <laughs> All those super spirit brethren. <laughs> so she was like, what's happening here? And I said, you just be yourself. Be yourself. Because I'm convinced. I know what I know. I know what I see. Hallelujah. And we stood like that. Some people came, some of these most senior guys came and told me that, Brother Dave, we think we need to counsel. I said, what do you want to counsel? He said, have you really prayed? That's what they start with. 
Have you really prayed about this marriage matter? I said, I have prayed very well. I've even been praying before we started. <laughs> anyway, to cut the long story short, we went, we left that place and joined the church in Kaduna. And I'm saying this very, because some of the people who are involved in all this, we are still in touch. And thank God, we are talking almost three decades, so everybody should understand, I want others to learn from it. My pastor, then, in, in the church I joined, came to me. One sister went and met him. This was a year after we had started courting with my wife, my fiancé then, my wife now. She came, he, he came, the lady could not come to me, but sent our pastor to me and said the pastor should tell me that God told her that, he said, pastor said he told her that, don't you know he's engaged to be married? He said, no, that God told her that I am her husband. So the pastor felt, well, to discharge I said, that's why, for me, I've learned from that kind of thing. It will not go anywhere. There and then, I'll tell the lady, go and pray again. Look for another person. But, you know, the pastor felt, let him not be that he doesn't fulfill his conscience. So he called me. He said, Brother Dave, I know you are mature. You can handle this. But I have to tell you, as a pastor, I have to tell you, somebody said this. I said, who is it? He said, I will never tell you that one. <laughs> he said, I'll never tell you. He didn't tell me who it was. But, you know, we went through all that. To the glory of God, we got married in 95, and I'll cut this story here now. A year after, God helped us. She had a restaurant, and things were moving. And many people were tempting her, telling her that, what are you doing with this young boy? What are you doing with this small boy? Some of the very wealthy guys. One guy came around. He was a very influential person in the state then. Took her out to say he wants to pay the money for the food he ate. And, you know, something you can do inside the restaurant. He said, no, come outside. I'll have some money in the booth. Just to kind of tempt her. Open the booth like this, full of cash. You know how Nigerians carry cash. Full of cash like that. And then before he gave her the money, he said, you see this money? He said, what is that boy giving you? <laughs> we were married now. This is not boyfriend, girlfriend. Married. Anointed marriage. The guy said, what's that boy giving you? He said, see money here. We'll take life. He said, that boy? He said, he's a great man. He said, and I love him. I said, well, if you want to keep suffering, be suffering. <laughs> this restaurant, I can buy it up and do everything for you. Do you know what? She told her, thank you very much, but no thanks. And then she came and told me the story. I said, God, all warring angels have <laughs> I scattered their confederacy against my wife. <laughs> now, I gave you that story because you can see us today. When we post our anniversary, 25 years later, going on the 26th by the grace of God, when we post our anniversary, people post comments like, oh, lovely together, made from heaven. And all those <laughs> I read those things and I laugh. And I remember all these stories in one flash. If you are not fully persuaded, you cannot be bold as to what God is asking you to do. Whether it's your life commitment, whether it's your ministry. In fact, ministry, I will, because of time, I will cut that one. If you are not persuaded about the calling of God, you cannot be bold to do ministry. You can't. Any aspect of ministry. Learn to advance your vision by your conviction. Remain bold in what God has said to you. Be fully convinced. This is why when Abraham's servants and Lord's servants were striving... Abraham said, look, 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 there's no need for it. Look at the whole land. Choose anywhere. A man who is fully convinced remains at peace. Don't be agitated. Don't listen to what people are saying. Till we started ministry, till today, people still talk about us negatively that I hear from time to time. I still hear it. People still talk about my wife and I. And I know these things. But the conviction that holds a marriage is not what some people think or what people are saying. A few years ago, I gave some people access to my life in this church, a brother and a sister, not that they were married. But I said, you help me be telling me things I want to improve on the media. Stay there and give me feedback. I asked for feedback. Somebody say feedback. The man was feeding me down, <laughs> really shooting me down. After every service, it will be heavy. We say, well done, but you didn't say this. You missed this scripture. You did this one. You were reading your note. Ah! You are wearing the same suit. I told you now. You told me I'm wearing the same suit. I said, ah, my suit, self. <laughs> so I, I prayed, God, deliver me from what I put myself. 
a brother, a brother. And then another sister, I said, look, I need you to be like an eye for me. I want you to, you know, let me know if things are going on. I said, my wife and I, we don't, we just live life. We don't, but, you know, things may be happening and this and that. I said, okay. But then before I knew it, oh, your wife did this, 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 this. And she was kind of, and then I saw that it was actually becoming like a jealousy with my wife. Again, I, I said, God, help me. Deliver me. <laughs> and I thank God for deliverance. Amen. But you see, I was trying to do what everybody says. Do get feedback. Don't be in an island. But the man I was asking feedback from was, was knocking me down. The woman, I said, be an ear for me and be close to me. Let me hear from you later and that. She became something else for me. And I said, God, I will never do this again. So that's why when I say hi, now I'm gone. Don't think I'm, I have anything against you. I have stopped giving people that much access to my life again. It doesn't mean I hate anybody, but I have learned that the only one that needs the full access to your life is the Holy Spirit himself and your spouse. Any other person, thank God for them. Thank God for them. I was reading leadership books that taught me that principle. They said you need people around you who will tell you as it is. I didn't know that the devil can put it as it is in them as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you need to be bold and advance. Amen. Then the third thing he said is we need the shield of faith. The third point I want to make is the fourth thing, but the shield of faith, very quickly. Ephesians 6.16. He said, above all, taking on the shield of faith, that you may be able... Sorry, Ephesians 6.16. Can I have that, please? Above all, taking on the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. Friends, by faith, we overcome difficult challenges. As you advance in your life goals, you need faith. You need the entrance of the word of God that will keep giving you the courage to overcome difficult challenges. I like what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the book of faith, many times we only read about the key people we know and we don't come to this particular verse. I want to read from verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 32. The Bible says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And of course, David and Samuel and the prophets. Look at what he said about them. Let's read verse 33 together. Let's go now, everybody. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. One of them physically stopped it, another one spiritually stopped it. Daniel spiritually stopped by faith, the mouth of lions, by believing in God. He did not touch any lion. Samson physically tore lion's mouth. David physically tore lion's mouth. They stopped the mouth of lions. So they did it by faith. Hallelujah. Verse 34. He said they quenched the violence of the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They escaped the edge of the sword. Thank God for Peter in Acts chapter 12 when the church prayed for him. By faith, he was in prison. He was not moved. He escaped the edge of the sword of Herod that was about to attack him. The Bible says they, out of weaknesses, were made strong. Hallelujah. They became valiant in battle, turned, the flight of the, turned to flight the enemies of the aliens or foreigners. Verse 35. Verse 35. By faith, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36. Still others had trials of mockings and scourges, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. But by faith, they overcame these things. Faith allows you to do what you want to do. If Stephen did not want to die, he would not have died. Stephen looked up, he said, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And he was loving it. And God called him home. Paul said, my, I did not, I'm not yet finished in my race. They stoned him like Stephen. They thought he was dead. Even he thought he was dead. Then he opened one eye, opened the second eye. He said, I'm still here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. By faith, by faith, don't let the world tell you that your race is over. It is never over until God says it is over. 
as long as God is alive and well by faith, keep advancing. Never say you can, never say never, never say impossible, never say you cannot advance to the next level. Don't let the devil tell you you have failed. I have said to you, as long as you are alive and doing what God said you should be doing, you can never call yourself a failure. They call somebody a failure if at the end of it, there is no way he can do the thing again. Then they say he has failed. But when you are still doing it, hallelujah, never ever allow the enemy to bring you to a place where you give up. Don't give up on your children. Don't let anybody label your child in any way that is deficient in anything. Of course, take the feedback. But know how to talk to God and how to stand. Hallelujah. The way I saw my wife more than 30 years ago, more than, more than 29 years ago now when we met, the same way I saw her being active and zealous and in, in the love of God is the same way, in fact, she grows on a consistent basis. The same way she saw me as somebody carrying the fire of God who loves God. That is how we have lived together for three decades across continents. See what God is saying. See your children. I don't see my children like you can see them today because there is something God showed me. Every one of them, as they were coming out, I hold them in my arms like this and I pray. And I know what God shows me about each person. So we keep pressing. We keep pressing. By faith, you overcome those challenges. How many people today are giving up on what is good and what is right? I don't see this church like you may be seeing yourself. I don't see weak and feeble people here. I see a strong army that God is raising. I see people who will know the word of God. I see people who will know the difference between right and wrong. I see people who will know how to use love to overcome hate. I see people who will not be a part of a gossip train. I see people who will hate adultery and fornication. I see people who will love the things of God, who will be passionate about the things of God. I see people who will love to serve God, not because they are being forced to do so, I see people who will give their offerings genuinely, sincerely, not because they are forced to do so. I see. I see. How many of you remember in the year 2014-15, those of you that were here then, that I used to share how God showed me that there was a time that the church had so many children that we had to put them in uniforms. Remember that vision? That's what I see. We had so many children that we had to put them in uniforms to be able to distinguish their age groups and classrooms on a Sunday, not a nursery school we're running on a Sunday. That's what I see. How many of you have heard so many times that I say, if you don't get here by 9.30, very soon, that you will find that you will be parked so far away that you have to walk to this place to get into the hall. I see. I see. Keep letting what you see go beyond. Yesterday, I was telling my wife about something I saw about the future. That's how I've always done. And she said, wow. She dreams with me. <laughs> she dreams with me. She said, wow. I said, I see that day. That it will be like this, it will be like this, this will be happening like this. She said, wow. 20 years ago, 20-something years ago, in 1994, in Kaduna, I said to her, I see us. I was living in one room, one room, Kaduna, Nigeria. I was living in one room apartment where arm robbers broke in, that very house. I was living there. I say, I see us one day flying the nations, flying the nations, doing stuff, serving God, but also having access to many nations. Say praise God. I didn't have a valid passport at that time. I didn't have a valid passport. The only passport I had was the one I had in 1980 that I used to travel to U.S. with my father. That was the only passport I had then. You know, that passport is like a book. If it drops on your head, they will... <laughs> it came from that generation. I have one of those. If they throw it at you, that is the end. <laughs> Hallelujah. But today... Hardly is there any continent we haven't been together. And stresslessly, not that we, 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 we go into debt to travel. Many of those trips paid for fully or partially, many times. What do you see? What do you see? I see a church here that God is raising that we need to put up our shield of faith to keep advancing. By faith, we will overcome. The Bible says the just shall live by his own faith. You need your own faith. I need my faith. Together we will overcome in Jesus' name. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6, 17, says take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. 
This represents how our salvation and declaration of the word of God helps us to advance against all odds. Keep advancing against all odds. Ephesians 3 verse 8 said to me, who am less than the least of the saints, grace was given. Somebody say grace was given. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, me, that was a nobody. This is how you must see yourself. You are operating under grace. Never see yourself as limited by what you can do physically. You are operating under grace. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Let's read verse 12 together. In whom we have boldness. You are not reading with me. Let's go together. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Have confidence to to quote the word of God. The sword of the spirit is your fighting weapon. Quote the word of God. When When the enemy tells you that you are not doing, something is going to happen to you, you quote the word of God that he gives his angels charge over me. When the devil tells you that your children are not going to do right, you say, no, I and the sons and daughters that God has given to me, we are for what? We are for signs and for wonders. When the devil tells you that you can never be promoted again, you will say, no, it is written that promotion does not come from the east, nor from the west, but it comes from above. Whatever the devil tells you, you take the sword of the spirit. The helmet of your salvation gives you access with confidence. Hebrews 4.16, it gives you access with confidence through faith. But you must always keep declaring the word of God over your situation. Declare the word of God over your marriage. Declare the word of God over your job. Declare the word of God over your situations in life. To conclude this, let us be people of prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and with supplication in the spirit. Be watchful to this end with perseverance and supplication. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Prayer is so important. We, we are a generation that thinks that we can achieve things without praying. God has never changed his standards. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and pray and pray, he said, I will heal their land. We need to be a people of prayer. I want to close by saying this. As the righteousness of God, you must overcome all fears. The fear of man is a problem. We're going to take the communion very shortly. You are going to take this communion, believing God, to overcome every kind of fear. The fear of man is a problem. I didn't say don't respect man, don't honor man, but you must learn. The Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs 29 from verse 35. It said the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a snare. Don't be afraid of man. Love men. Love people. Honor men, honor people, but don't be afraid of a fellow human being. Only fear God. The whole duty of man, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, is to fear God and to keep his commandment. Don't fear man. Don't fear man. Every one of us must understand. Hebrews 13, 6 says, surely God is my helper. What can man do to me? Some of us fear our business associates and our employers much more than we fear God. Let us not be afraid of people. Like I said, love people, respect people, but don't be afraid of people. Don't be afraid of your pastor. Honor your pastor. Love your pastor. Respect your pastor. Pastor, those are, two, those are all different things. Don't fear any human being. The problem we have in the body of Christ today is we have many people who fear pastors and we have pastors who fear people. So the truth can no longer be told again. We must not fear man. We must love man and pray for man and help one another to achieve, but never be afraid of another person. If you are afraid of people, you will be ensnared. Read that. I think it's Proverbs 29, 25, or 35. You can read it. The fear of man brings a snare. Is it 25? Proverbs 29. I want to get it right. Proverbs 29. The fear of man brings a snare. Don't be afraid of failure or of success. I've said this many times. Many people are afraid. Is it 25? 29, 25. Thank you. Proverbs 29, 25. Said the fear of man brings a snare. Don't be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of failure or of success. I'm telling you things not to be afraid of so that if you have it anywhere in your life. Thank you. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Your safety is of God. 
So when you are taking the communion today, remember that you are taking it to take the spirit of the lion of the tribe of Judah. The one that says, the Bible says that he is as bold, makes you as bold as a lion. He is there in those emblems. You take it with confidence. Don't be afraid of untested grounds. Many of us are afraid of leaving comfort zones. Don't be afraid of leaving comfort zones. Don't be afraid of lack of talents or resources. I can go on and on. If you are going to do anything for God, don't look at the resources you have before you start. If you are going to do anything God is calling you to do in this life, don't see yourself. See the God in you. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Of course, we do what is called a skills assessment. You look at your capacity and all that, which is fine, theoretically. But if God is calling you to do it, you say, Lord, these are my weaknesses. We do not have a faithful high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. These are my weaknesses. Help my infirmities. And watch God give you what only he could give in the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet and begin to thank God for his spirit of boldness that is coming. Well,